This is Critical Nonsense, our high-low brow show about culture, science, and tech. This week, I ask Joey about the year of D&D. So, um, this is what a Joey sounds like. And this is what an executive producer and Depeche Mode Jess Vander sounds like. Hi, this is Jess. Hi, Depeche. <laughs> um, Jess, do we have any housekeeping? Nope. Nope, that's it. I just did a quick glance around. We're clean. We're good. Um... When you leave a place that you're staying temporarily, visiting somebody, a hotel, an Airbnb, or what have you, do you also do that final sweep of where you almost like, it's like a montage of everything that you've done while being there to be like, and then I plugged in my phone. Did I get the charger? And then I took a shower. Did I leave my <laughs> tiny shampoo in there? Like, does that does that flash before your eyes in your mind the way it does mine? And what is your exiting? This is not really housekeeping, but quick quick <laughs> lightning question. What what is your process for cleaning a house before you leave? I checking on your things. I tap my pockets front and back and do a visual sweep. Uh, but I do that like when I'm getting out of like a cab or whatever as well. It's like, it's like, I like not at the same. It's just like left, right, left, right, back pockets. Okay. Check, like, check, even check. times where they're like, I didn't take anything out of my pockets or mm-hmm. like I was not in a situation where I was playing with something that would have been out. It's just like, you know, like wallet keys phone type of thing. Wallet like, keys like, phone. Yep, they're there. <laughs> yeah. I sometimes say wallet keys phone out loud. Wallet keys phone. Check, check, check. Okay, good. Yeah. What more do I need? Well, <laughs> what more do I need? Um, we were talking about a bunch of things yesterday with Aaron, but we're going to wait to talk about those things until we're all together as a family again, reunited, and it feels so good. Um, <laughs> We had a few germs of ideas before. We sort of landed on something that you've been thinking about that I thought was interesting and exciting. So Jess, would you like to prime us in your personal journey uh, and give us your question? Wow, sure. We, Joey and I, we have been playing, Joey and I have been playing... (laughs) This <laughs> D&D campaign. I was like, is it Joey and me? No, it isn't. Um, we've been, been playing. playing of we've been playing. Uh, <laughs> we've been playing this D&D campaign of Joey's own mind wine creation, fermented and then <laughs> bottled and then poured for the last year. Um, it's a sci-fi skinned, Shoot, I'm going to get this sci-fi skinned post-apocalyptic America. <laughs> I'm getting super close. It's These buzzwords should inspire you um, and get you excited about the concept that um, we've been playing this game uh, of Dungeons and Dragons 
reimagined by jo- Joey's brain. I'm doing this very slowly. I don't know why. Um, and though I have played um, a D&D campaign once before um, in deep quarantine, this has been, as Joey reminded me, a consistent diversion over the last year uh, where every single week we've been doing this thing for the most part pending quorum and it has been super fun but I also have noticed things about myself through this process and one of them is that probably the biggest one is that I have a really hard time sitting through a full session of D&D every single week as much as I enjoy it and I noticed that Part of this stems from the way that we work nowadays, which is being virtual and on phone calls, and especially in the work that we do, constantly on phone calls and on our computers. And the prospect of doing that for another three hours has this like mental mode that I for some reason cannot shake that feels like the work mode, even though this is a fun thing that we do for fun for liking reasons and not for any other reason. We, we should say we're forced to play on computers, like because <laughs> people are all remote. So th- I think that is it's like, true. Uh, we're in a, a like video call. Yes. Um, and though the adventure has been exciting and playing is fun, I have found myself doing, you know, these multitasking moments where I'm like, constantly baking something or, um, you know, just like messing, like knitting some, some like random thing so that I can trick myself into being like, no, this is a, this is a fun thing. And you're not in the mode of working in this moment. Um, and I, I feel like there is just something also interesting that has happened just because we have, this is something that we have shared over the course of the year. I know this is a particular thing that I've experienced, but we actually haven't had a chance to talk about how this whole thing has changed the way you see hobby time or like how you think about this type of ways to spend time with friends. I don't know. So anyway... I'm interested, inspired by my own revelations about this experience, Joey, what have you learned in one year of playing D&D together? (laughs) Uh, Man, I don't know. I mean, I I have learned things about myself uh, through the process, but it's it's much um it's like much higher or not higher order i guess it uh, it's less like tangible to the moment that we're playing and more mm. about like like i need i wind up turning my side projects into a thing right like my yeah. my fun projects right like i i want you know in college, uh, like a bunch of people in or in grad school, rather, a bunch of us started a, a creative side project of my instigation, right? Like, which fits with this point that I'm making of being, I was like, 
let's do a side, let's do a website where every week we have one topic and like seven or eight of us have to make a thing off of that topic. And the topics will be like really banal and high order. And you can make anything that you can fit on this like WordPress blog. And so it'd be like napkins. And there would be like seven different, like someone would write like an essay or a poem or uh, like a piece of like graphic art or make a video or whatever, write a song. Like people just did like really weird things. But it, like I made it into a thing. Like I started, like we were getting like 5,000 unique views a month on this or like unique viewers a month on this like stupid <laughs> WordPress website of like, uh and like in the same way with this project i was like okay i'm doing this thing i think for me it becomes like a level of motivation and accountability somehow that like if we're gonna do it let's do it right you know like i don't want to do a thing where it's like okay i'm i'm coming to do this thing but like people aren't quite prepared or like sort of half-assing it we're like not playing the game or or something like that and so for this time around, it was like, let's record it. Let's do these things. I'm, I'm the first time ever doing, you know, my like D&D journey is probably four years long or, or five years long. But first time I'm ever doing like the game master, dungeon master type of role, which is a bunch of work. Uh, and but I needed to make it a thing so that like. We all came. I we I could like establish some expectations, like whatever you know. And we have a few thousand downloads of the podcast, which I'm not even going to plug here because I it it's not even as much about that. I I've realized it's just like it's a thing, capital T thing, and therefore we'll take it seriously and finish the game. See, th- th- it's so interesting to me because I also love making stuff and like have maybe for my own sake I have perhaps too much unbridled motivation because I care about anything like I can find anything to care about um but it's interesting when you say like and then I made it a thing like for you I feel like that looks very specific like a thing a capital t thing that I've seen you do is something that is uh, public in some way. Uh, it is something that is structured in some way and something that is recurring. Like you keep doing it and, and you have to do it enough frequently that you don't lose a momentum because otherwise you might not keep doing it. And like, that is, that's what a thing, like that's true of this show. Like this show is a thing that you willed into the world, um, which is different. It's it's so interesting because like I think my natural attention span for like bursts of like creative inspiration and like doing something is is definitely not designed to be a long game thing. Like it isn't designed to be recurring. I I could like squeeze something into a sprint of like da-da, and then we had this like live critical nonsense event. That was a perfect example of that, where it was like everything squeezed into one big moment and then it's done. And then that was it. But it's really interesting that your natural instinct is to create this very specific flavor of thing that 
fuels you? Yeah. I don't even know what. I think it is. It has to do with like social accountability, maybe, and like tricking myself into being like, well, if other people know that I'm doing this thing, then I have to do that thing. And it's never right. Like this show or, or doing D and D it's like all things that I have fun doing. Like the website I, we had when we were in grad school, like I had a ton of fun. It wound up getting a bunch of the people like their jobs when they were like sharing their book. And they're like, you're, your portfolio from grad school is like, okay, but like the stuff you did on this website's way better. Like, that's why we're hiring you. Like so two people had recruiters tell them that explicitly. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's cool. Like that was certainly not the intent of this project. It was just like, I want to do a thing. I want to know. I want to know that other people's commitment levels are matching mine. And then I also want to, um, sort of like create some construct to structure my own accountability and like even like body doubling, right? Like that idea that came up, we spoke a little bit about at one point, uh, maybe even this year around like uh, sort of strategies you use to like navigate your own like cognitive style, like body doubling of just like, that's why I come to the office. Like other people are working, so I'm working, you know, like all these ways in which you trick yourself into doing again like in quotes a capital t thing Mm -hmm. yeah that's interesting i think has has this experience on in this last year been different from other projects or is it more similar than you think um since it seems to follow like such a similar pattern i'm curious like if it is, you know, this is unique in some way. I, I mean, this one, like this one is different in that, like, it's sort of like lopsided and like, I have to do a lot more work than, than everyone else in the process just by like the nature of it or like, you know, putting it up online or, or doing those types of things is like, um, you know, but I think it's similar in that it started like, oh, I wanted to write this story, but I haven't had time. So, and I like doing things collaboratively anyways. Like I don't, you know, I'm not super motivated to do a thing purely by myself typically. And so this was a way to like do it. But like in hindsight, the, the amount of hours that I've spent on this thing, like I maybe I could have had a first draft of said novel, but like... uh I, it's like a less enjoyable process to me. And so, you know, like getting some sort of like motivational or commitment alignment type of thing maybe is like a learning, but it's not like a thing that I regret about this process. It's just hard when you have to do, when it can't be like asynchronous, like we have to get everyone together at a set time and, everyone's grown ups and it's easy to like fall out of those loop cycles. It's just like, okay, like the level of commitment you can get is like, try to get everyone to show up on Wednesday evenings and, yeah. uh, and then anything else you want on top of that, you just, you do those things. 
I've learned that I'm not a producer. <laughs> you know, I learned that. Uh. Yeah, I. it's interesting that I think both of us have had some journey in what fun is in this or like negotiated how to keep it fun when there are things that could potentially thwart the funness of even something that was designed to be that way. Um, I feel like it's also reminding me of a conversation I had. Uh, I It feels like a kind of thing that everyone has talked about that I only learned of recently. And so I give you permission to mock me if this is the case, but my friend was in town and was um, describing to me, um, I, I, she was sharing, we were actually uh, giving feedback on her dating profile. And one of the, one of the prompts I did not understand. And she, it said like, I, like I'm, I'm only looking for type two fun. And I was like, what is that? And she's like, well, there's type, type one fun and type two fun. Type one fun is the fun that you that feels fun while you're doing it. And then type two is the fun that while you're doing it, it maybe is not very fun. But afterward, you're like, wow, that was really great. Like, I want to do that again. And I, it, it makes me think about that of like, what kind of fun is this? Is this type one fun for you? Or is this type two fun? It's it's probably type two fun. Um, like I really enjoyed it. I like getting together with people. I like, you know, I've had some successes and some failures in learning how to like be a DM or like be a producer, like solo producing, like having to like, he's being humble. The, well, about the DM, figure part, out, not the producer. Yeah. Part. <laughs> yeah. Like figure out like, OBS and all these like streaming platforms and like the number of times we've had audio like failures because it's six people with like different internet connections. And if one person has like one thing fall down, the entire audio falls down because I'm like <laughs> having to DM. So I can't be listening to playback while I'm talking to everybody. So it's like, you know, like the number of times I've screwed that up is like, you know, the, the content... <laughs> The content we've created in like air quotes is like, you know, pretty rough, like from on like a week to week basis. Like some weeks it's like, it's great. And then like other weeks you're like, why is there one person have an echo the entire episode? That's annoying. Like, you know, like, so it's not, right. it, it's not a masterwork. Yeah. Alex is typing lol into the chat. Uh, you know, he knows the pain. Uh, and and he helped me a bunch with in that journey. So like the, but like I know how to do that now. And so that, or at least maybe I don't, not that I know how to do it, but I'm like, it's a, a thing I'm aware of enough to like consider in like future work I do, whether like professionally yeah. or, or on, on like independent projects or something. But the, the process of like when you get it right as a DM and people have, fun like that's super rewarding you know like there you know there are times like I think I was like pretty self-conscious in the beginning because I was like all of these things were new at the same time and mm -hmm. if I I made up a 
random name for something that like I didn't put a lot of thought into. And then like two of the guys are like laughing at the name. I'm like, well, oh, don't like, don't make fun of me. I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, uh, uh, but I think that's past and, and, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I just want it to be like immersive. Like we're all sort of like lost in it for two hours and then you leave. And, um, I think like that part is weird. I'm curious about like the mode shifting thing that you brought up in terms of like what you've learned and like, do you feel like, I, I sort of feel like hobbies because of the sort of diaspora of people moving over the pandemic and like so many hobbies are like connecting with relationships I have are like perpetually on this computer. So for me, at least like I never work. I mean, I'm, I may have to work from home in the evenings occasionally or things like that, but I always come to the office for this reason. So like my work, my workspace and my home space are different. Like that's sort of important to me. Um, mm. And like you're, you're sort of more mixed of like sometimes you work from home, sometimes you work from here and, but you're having to connect with family on the computer and things like that. And like, you know, is, is the whatever, like some uh, VR headset going to be like the way in which like I don't do fun things with friends at home on my computer i do it i do it in my i do it in the metaverse or whatever i do it in the metaverse yeah Yeah. um yeah i don't i don't know i i think my my main salve for this has been to try to make things in person and if not for the physical you know geographical distance this would be a totally different thing and far more fun for me in the moment in person because that is like the solution to this problem for me. Um, And I think in general that has applied, like trying to take advantage as much as possible of being able to make fun happen in real life. I also, it's interesting that you mentioned this because I also realized that a lot of my fun of like my hobbies anyway are extremely isolated activities like flow based solo solo experience yeah. um which i i think i actually over the last year plus maybe have done less of um and when we had that conversation about hobbies and like finding them it's um yeah, it's interesting how that also ties to how you like to spend time and what modes, like that's that mode of being alone. I have done so much less of in, in the span of our D and D experience, like my, my own fun solo time, fun social time has been, yeah, it's interesting that it is to have any weekly commitment that is a virtual social experience is different yeah i mean i don't know you know like for me like we've spoken about this but like so many of my friends moved away from 
New York during the pandemic. And and part of it, I think, is just like what life stage I'm at and like how old yep. I am. And because my friends are in similar life stages and sort of the complications of that, like so many people moved away in that moment. The like, like, I don't know how my life is, and my family lives in New Hampshire and things like that. Like so many of my social interactions are forced right. to be right. digital. And I don't see like an opportunity where that's going to reduce. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I can do these like annual trips with friends or things like that, but that's like one moment. And then like, what yeah. are you doing for the other, you know, 300 and, like 61 days or or whatever it is you you're know? just on your computer or you're on your vr headset yeah but it does it does i mean even to your point like i'm finding with you know after three years of like a increased volume of these things where at least like before the pandemic i would travel more frequently to like go see clients in their offices at certain moments or you would travel to do research and you weren't doing like research on computers or um like people would come here to meet us or or um Mm -hmm. and and now that we've done so much of this digitally like i'm feeling the flatness of this experience more pronounced as opposed and maybe that's just like the you know like the the joke about like being in an airplane, like you're flying 20,000 feet above the air in a seat watching a TV and you're like unimpressed with the experience. Like we were just sort of like (laughs) inoculated to this idea that, you know, I mean, literally to the point because of technical issues, we are in the same office right now, but in different rooms because we're recording because we didn't have the right equipment in this moment. Like, yep. You know, I'm, we're literally what, uh, a hundred feet from each other, but we're forced to be doing this conversation over a computer was like so frustrating. Everything is mediated. What if I just ate spaghetti with my hands? I don't need a fork. (laughs) Isn't that, don't you love this idea of tools that mediate us and other things because we can't do it alone. And why is the fork such an, excellent example of something that mediates people and food it's just, it's just like an extension could, of your, hand. your hands you could you could just do it you choose not to do do i now i'm like you, does a joke. fork get represented in your like is there like some motor function it becomes like you can feel the Part end of, of a fork when you're touching like right. a piece of food the the sensation yeah. extends and so do you have like sensory representation and you know, like your sensory cortex or motor cortex yeah. of like an you additional stand to limb the fork yeah yeah okay also i think what we've discovered in this moment right now is that your next thing capital t that you have to do is to create a weekly dinner party <laughs> where where who eat crazy foods that are not designed to be eaten with your hands, with your hands. Like imagine just like chili. That sounds like your next thing. (laughs) You're like, this sounds like not a me thing. It's a just thing. (laughs) Well, like you're the one that likes to cook. I like hate cooking. Like I hate 
food preparation in a way like I don't like an illogical way or like you know like I'll wind up just not feeding myself over having to like think about and prepare food um so a, a weekly dinner party would definitely be type two fun if, if it was one where I had to like prepare a, uh, a menu prepare all, of this, uh, all of this food for everyone to demolish it like brutal savages without the tools of utensils to aid us <laughs> you like, eat ah, food. i don't i don't think again. eating food with your hands is savagery <laughs> let's just no, say no, no. that sorry not not at all what i implied i just like, the idea of like <laughs> cupping <laughs> bowls of like soup texas chili just in your in your hand <laughs> Like some some foods are meant to be eaten with your hands, like absolutely, uh, like so so many different parts of the world. Sorry, let's let's make that super super clear. <laughs> I just like the idea that some foods are mediated with hands that ideally we should just go full hog on. I'm I'm wrong to call that savagery. I think that's like that's what we were born to do. We're destined <laughs> to. Let's return to the scoop. to soup cupping. <laughs> yes. I'm like, ugh, now I regret, I regret going on this tangent. Do you want to bring us to Jess's Hobby Corner? Goodness. What is Jess's Hobby Corner? A world where everyone has their own idea of what it is to make something a thing. Where even if you are doing more of the work that you can have whatever type of fun suits your fancy. And hell, if you want, you just, you just reduce all of these mediating tools in our lives and you hang out with people in person and you make crazy food machines every week with your friends because who needs forks so in the metaverse uh yes just playing soup cup and tabletop games in the metaverse in your vr headset while knitting Is that today? Are we in the future? Is that <laughs> what the there? future looks like? <laughs> uh, and and figure out your mode shifting too, right? Oh yeah, don't be shy. Know your modes. If it's not if it's not working for you, just try it while baking and see what happens. <laughs> try it while baking is like a really good like experimental model, like. I want to do this thing, but it has to be on my computer. So try it while baking. But yeah, exactly. Just like see, see how it goes. You could also, also another, another heuristic. Try it while walking. You know, try it while walking. Try it while baking. One of those might actually work for you. Those are actually the only two options there are. So if those don't work, <laughs> I'm sorry, you're out of luck. <laughs> sorry, you're screwed. That's it. Well. We did it. We did it. Critical Nonsense is a Sylvain production. Brought to you by The Cloisters, a sci-fi skin D&D <laughs> campaign hosted in post-apocalyptic North America. <laughs> Taking Yeehaw. place in post- Yeah. Dang it! Oh, so close. Uh... <laughs> uh, uh uh, as always, thanks to our executive producer and monk of the cobalt soul, Jess Vander. 
Thanks, Joey. We'd also like to thank sound engineer and extraordinary night owl, Alex Contel. <laughs> We'd like to thank our programming coordinator and mage of my heart, Les Jacobs. And our production crew, the magical elves of... <laughs> yep, Sara Gilbert and Nora Mestridge. <laughs> As always, sorry, Len. Sorry. Uh, special thanks to Gary Gygax, I guess. I don't know. I feel like we special thanks to him before, but I just like that name. Certainly. Old GG. Gary Gygax. Gingerbread Gag. houses. Gingerbread. Ginger cheese. You're thinking ginger cheese? I'm just I'm just thinking like if you want to settle your stomach, reach for what works. Ginger cheese. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's not gratitude corner. We don't think like my family and you know, the, the reminder from my daughter last week that you have to think about each other to keep the love alive. Um, Ugh, you know, you I need those reminders wise. sometimes <laughs> four year olds. They'll, they'll tell you the important things. Thanks Emerson. Well, that's all. So Bye. <laughs> well, love you. Bye. Bye. Do we think about each other? Why? Because dad, dad, we will be keeping the love alive. I'll think about you to keep the love alive so much.